Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Unfortunate. That is the nothing personal word of the day. We start every podcast with it. I'll say it one more time for y'all. Unfortunate. Why is that the word? Well, let's talk about Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, the longtime quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, he of no rings said it is unfortunate the situation I'm in. It's an unfortunate situation, he said. It's an unfortunate thing. He's talking about being benched on his birthday. And he said it's further unfortunate that he did not have time to help his agent and have his agent get him traded when he was benched three hours before the deadline. Well, listen, Andy, I've got a quick message for you. If you were a better player, then you would not have been benched. And then your agent, it wouldn't have to find a trade partner for you. And it's not my job to find you a team to go to. So the unfortunate thing is that you simply were not a better player. I can only tell you how excited I was to watch a game seven of the World Series. It's, you just, you spend all day, right? You're in anticipation of it and you're thinking to yourself, what could possibly happen? What history is going to unfold? And you know that every game, and I was a part of over 18 years, I never calculated the number of games, thousands of games, and every one of them takes on its own life. And you plan for everything. You plan for every possible contingency. But there's certain things that happen that you just don't know when they're going to happen, how they're going to happen, and what it's actually going to mean. So last night, Game 7, everyone's talking about Scherzer the ace going against Greinke, the huge trade line acquisition for the Houston Astros. The dynasty that is the Houston Astros against the upstart Washington Nationals, their first World Series since 1933, looking for their first victory in 95 years. Ryan Zimmerman and his situation is the first ever player drafted by the Nationals. Zach Ranke comes out and starts the game, and wouldn't you know it, he had basically his best start as an Astro when he got traded there, as we said, on July 31st. So there's a game plan that's in place, in my opinion. The Astros, they're a very analytic team, and we're going to go through very different layers of how they planned this game and where they went wrong and why they have no second ring in three years. Zach Greinke's having the game of his life. I'm tweeting out that Zach Greinke is reminding me of Josh Beckett, who pitched a a, a shutout, a 2 nothing shutout in Game 6 to win the World Series. That's how good Zach Greinke's looking. He gets into the seventh inning. He throws a changeup. Now, Zach Greinke's changeup, admittedly, is only one or two miles an hour different than his fastball. Ideally, you want your fastball and changeup to have about an eight or nine mile an hour difference. Greinke used to throw in the mid-90s. Now he's more 91, 92, and his changeup is more like 88, 89, 89, 90. Not a big difference, but it sort of falls. It sort of tails off at the end. When you hang a changeup or hang a breaking ball, that's an expression for, I can hit it. Anthony Rendon is way too good a hitter. Zach Renke hangs a changeup, if you permit me to mix my metaphors, and Rendon hits a home run with one out in the seventh inning. Two to one lead cut in half. 
I'm shocked only in that I thought Greinke was going to go a complete game. We wouldn't have to see Cole. We wouldn't see Osuna. We wouldn't see Smith. We wouldn't see Harris. We would be seeing nobody except a championship for Houston. But lo and behold, he then walks Juan Soto, the cleanup hitter, and Juan Soto's on first base in a 2-1 game. I'm thinking to myself, everything's fine. Do not go to the bullpen, AJ. And if you're going to go to the bullpen, how could you not be going for Garrett Cole? But he comes out and he actually goes for Harris. Harris had an absolutely outstanding postseason. But the way it works, and I know that A.J. Hinch knows this, the bullpen arms are exhausted by the end of October. It is difficult for them to maintain a level of competitiveness as the season progresses this late. It's just normal. It happens. Not everyone is Mariano Rivera. Harris comes in and Howie Kendrick, the 36-year-old, comes up, immediately hits a two, he basically ambushes it. I like to describe it to you. For those not watching, I'm doing an imitation, right? The imitation of, of Howie Kendrick, he basically starts his swing and he just, he cheats and he ambushes a first pitch and it hooks right to the right field fair pole. Uh, I, I petitioned to have the foul pole changed to fair pole. I don't know why it's called the foul pole, because when a ball hits the big yellow pole, it's a fair ball and a home run. So the ball hit the fair pole, and all of a sudden, the Nationals had a lead. And what struck me is that the decision to pull Granke was based solely on analytics and the belief that A.J. Hinch was told and had in front of him vis-a-vis numbers that this is the position in the situation where we've had enough out of Greinke and our formula says if he's gotten us 18, 19 outs, we are going to win this game. Uh, uh, and what happened was obviously is they didn't. And what with analytics, what I've always said is it's got to be an arrow in your quiver. You can't rely solely on it. When I have numbers in front of me, I want to use that. But in the game seven, I'm going to use my eyes more. I'm going to look at a pitcher. It's exactly what Dave Martinez did with Patrick Corbin, who pitched three innings in relief. After two innings, basically the formula would have been to have Corbin give you two innings and six outs. But instead of just relying on analytics, he actually looked at Corbin and said, you know what? You're going to get me three more. And Corbin did it. Corbin got him three innings of relief. It's not a coincidence that Patrick Corbin is a starter all season long and is going in long relief in the bullpen throughout the postseason, sort of a hybrid going bullpen starter, bullpen starter, because his arm is stretched out. He's used to more wear and tear on his arm, whereas the relievers, as I said, just aren't used to ramping up day after day like that. So the Nationals did what the Astros didn't. The Nationals seemed like this team of destiny, and that destiny manifested itself with yet another comeback late in a game. So the question is, why did A.J. Hinch make the decision to pull Greinke? I thought to myself, well, I disagree, but when he came out and then he went to his arm, signaled to the bullpen, he's got to be getting Cole. He's got to be getting Cole. But I noticed Cole wasn't getting hot. Getting hot's an expression. When someone's in the pen... Don't tell me that Garrett Cole was hot last night because he wasn't. He was just soft-tossing in the pen. Getting hot means that you're throwing at your maximum strength for a few pitches before the bullpen coach calls into the dugout and tells the pitching coach, hey, my guy's ready. Or they sometimes use signs. They'll take off their cap and wave it around, sometimes a flare gun, whatever it is to let the, bull- the dugout know that the guy in the bullpen is ready to go. But Cole didn't get close to getting ready to go. So I, when A.J. Hinch makes the decision to go to the pen, I thought, did Cole warm up without the, the broadcasters telling me? 
Did I miss something out of camera seven? But it turns out I didn't miss anything. Cole was not put in the game, and that is inexcusable for me. But what's more inexcusable is why Cole was not put in the game. The Houston Astros and A.J. Hinch will have you believe that the plan was to pitch Cole only if they were ahead. I want to make sure people understand what I'm saying. They were only going to pitch Cole in the ninth inning if we were ahead. So in an extra inning game that's tied, I guess they're not going to go to Cole. In a game where you're down one run, trying to keep it to a one-run deficit, you're not going to the best pitcher possibly in the entire game, certainly in the American League, and certainly in the postseason, because you're not winning, because you're tied or losing, you're willing to give up the chance at a second ring in three years because you don't want to bring in Garrett Cole in a, in a clean inning? You want to bring him in only when it's the ninth inning and only when you're winning? Well, guess what? You now have an entire lifetime to think about that because Houston may never get there again. Yes, they have a great core. Yes, they're a great team. But things happen. It's hard to get to the World Series. Just ask the Nationals. But then I realized Cole was never going to pitch in that game. It didn't matter if there was a close game in the ninth inning. Thank God for Houston there wasn't because then their bluff would have been called. But, of course, their story would have been different. Why do I know that? Because early on in this series, two, three days ago, A.J. Hinch commented that he wanted to make sure that Garrett Cole entered into free agency in as healthy a position as possible. And that pitching him after pitching in Game 5 on two days rest in Game 7 may not be ideal for him or his future. What? Garrett Cole's future? No, this is about the Astros. This is about winning rings, winning World Series. That is the only thing that Houston management should demand of its players. And the only thing that the fans should demand of its players, that you want to win as much as we want you to win. That you care about winning as much as we care about you winning. That you will lay it all on the line so that we will spend our entertainment dollars to watch you, both in person and on TV and on the internet. And listen to what you have to say because you care about winning. And then it all came clear to me. Garrett Cole doesn't care about winning. He cares about his own money. People are going to criticize me. Why can't he care about his own money? Let him earn the amount of money he wants. Bring it. And here's why. He did an interview after the game, after being disrespectful to an employee of the Astros. I don't want to talk about employees of the Astros. That's a whole nother conversation. He did an interview in a hat with the logo. Look at that. See that, B? That's not for boy. That's not the name of one of his kids. That's as in Boris. Scott Boris. I don't want a family argument. I don't want anything that he's promoting something or being paid. That's not a sponsorship hat. I've never seen that in my 18-year career. Not one time. A player doing a post-game interview in a hat with the logo of his agent. And in that interview, he spoke in the past tense about his time with Houston. And he's getting hammered. I don't want to say ratio because I learned what that is. Getting hammered all over Twitter. So just now, he's put out this statement describing his love of Houston and the fans and how happy he was there and excited he was to be a part of Houston. That's only because he was told that he was getting ripped. Ripped. Well, Garrett, you deserve to get ripped. You're going to get paid. You should have been in that game seven. You should have demanded. You should have been in that dugout and then in that bullpen saying, I am going in this game. There is no way that we are losing 
with me sitting in that bullpen. If it's 3-2, I'm going to keep it 3-2, and my offense is going to score a run. It becomes 4-2 and 6-2. It becomes impossible. Not going to happen. 3-2, you've got the tying run at the plate every time. And in a band box like Minute Maid Park where home runs are flying, even when balls are not juiced, you are in the game. But when you're down four, that's it. You've given the championship to the Nationals. Now, the Nationals were a team of destiny for me. Houston thought they were a team of dynasty. And now we've learned that destiny beats dynasty. Just a disappointing situation for all of Houston with Garrett Cole. Max Scherzer, on the other hand, is the anti-Cole, right? He comes in and he is leaving it all on the line. Now, you're going to say, but he has the long-term contract. He's got the security of the money, so why not? It's guaranteed. I get you, and I agree with you. However, you speak to people about Max Scherzer, you speak to his teammates about Max Scherzer, this guy is a team-first, win-first mentality. He may not have pitched like an ace last night. Going five innings does not allow you to be called an ace. He is an ace, but last night he didn't pitch like an ace. But he kept his team in the game, and when you see him pacing in that dugout, and you're a young player or a veteran sort of journeyman player or another free agent to be like an Anthony Rendon or a Steven Strasburg, and you see someone like Max Scherzer who cares that much, who cries when it's done because he's worked his whole life to win a championship, and he and Annabelle Sanchez hug and talk about the fact that they did it, they're the world champions, you realize that that's the player that you want on your side. And what do they do after Scherzer goes out? They go right to Corbin, as we described. And the Nationals, how do you not congratulate him? Anthony Rendon is going to have is a free agent, could have been his last game. What he did after the seventh inning is just historic. He was hitting doubles and home runs until his last two late appearances in Game 7 of the World Series. Before that, he was double, home run, double, home run, double, home run. He did fly out and pop out after that. But if you noticed the crowd... In the clubhouse after game seven, so impressive the way they rallied around Anthony Rendon. And it made me think about when we got to pop champagne in 2003. That's why you're in the game. That's why you want to be a part of sports because you want to be a part of something, a part of a team that wins. The Nationals put it all together. And for the rest of their time, they are the world champions of 2019. The other thing I obviously hope for is uh, that Kyrie Irving survives his max contract with the New Jersey Nets. Because I can't exactly say it's gone great. I love looking around and, and reading articles and, and watching things on tape and listening to coaches talk. Because coaches always are carrying the water when team presidents or owners don't want to say things. And sometimes we force our coaches to say things and they get angry. But we say to them, listen, you work for us. We need you to address the following situation. The question is, are some situations worth addressing and some not? That's why the Kyrie Irving is so interesting and everything surrounding him. As you know, he has had a hard time. And if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, we are going to give you Every side of a sports story, we're going to give you our opinion, and then we're going to make you think about it. I'm not here to break down X's and O's. I'm here to break down situations and decode them and tell you how real they are. If you like us, subscribe. Get your friends to subscribe. Rate it. Review it. Twitter, David P. Sampson. Join this because it's fun. So Kenny Atkinson is the coach of the Nets since 2016. They signed Kyrie Irving, who had a hard time living with LeBron. We saw that. He had a hard time in Boston as a Celtic. We saw that. 
Then he comes to the Nets with his friend KD, who's not traveling with the team, who's not with the team because he's injured. And all of a sudden, you get some rumblings. They're called MRs. Not Mrs., not Mr. It's moodiness rumblings. We've got the MRs surrounding our team. Word filters up to the team president, and the team president filters down to the coach and says, listen, Kenny, we've got a max contract with Mr. Kyrie Irving, and we've got the MRs. You better take the mic right now. And this is what Atkinson had to say. That is completely false. In my, in strictly speaking of my observation and my, my uh, experience with them so far, it's absolutely uh, not true. Uh, I say I'm the moody one. <laughs> I really am. I, I, I hate it. Like I'm, I'm cranky and, and I, I have my ups and downs. So if there's just natural human behavior where guys are up and down, that's that's different. But from my perspective, I, I, I just give him, an, uh, you know, give Kyrie an A plus on his consistency and his and his spirit and and. Uh, uh, Kenny, I'm giving you a lot of credit here, Kenny. You're getting a credit. Here's why. You said some magic words that as the team president, I'd be in your office furious with you. But you did a great job. Listen to what you said, Kenny. Strictly speaking, I haven't seen the moodiness. From my perspective, I don't see it as a problem. That's not what the Nets wanted him to say. What they wanted him to say was, it's not a problem ever. Not strictly speaking, Generally speaking, not specifically, generally speaking, we have no issue with Kyrie. There's no moodiness issue. I don't want Kenny Atkinson's to say, Atkinson to say, say that eight times if you can, to say, I'm the moody one. That's not what we primed you to do. Go out there and say, on behalf of our new Max player, there's nothing to see here. Everybody move along. Get this story over with because this became a big story on ESPN, on CBS, on XTC, on FCC, on ABC, everywhere. Why? Because when you've got a player like Kyrie and you hear the MRs, you know you've got a chance at a story and a story it was. And what Atkinson did, we would have told the coach to end the story. Instead of what he did is he's making it worse because he played the I game. I haven't seen this. I haven't seen that. We tell our manager and we tell our coaches and we tell our players when there's a situation they're in, sometimes you do use the I word when you are trying to take yourself out of a situation. I wasn't there. I didn't see anything. I don't participate in those types of activities. I don't plan on ever getting hurt and always being a good player. A lot of times to use the I word. In this case, it was the worst time to say the I word. I've not seen the moodiness. That's when you use the we word. We haven't seen it. We've never seen it. There's nothing to see here. Kenny, you had a chance and you blew it. Luckily, you've got Irving and his MRs for many, many years to come. And it's not going away anytime soon. <laughs> so the World Series, I watched that, of course. And as as people know who have followed this show um thank you for following it but who have just followed over the years i don't sleep a lot unfortunately and uh but there's something i do i have a tradition at the end of every baseball season what baseball means to me is that uh only one year right i was happy at the end of a season the other 17 years i wasn't and every year there's one happy team and 29 unhappy teams 
don't believe A.J. Hinch when he said during his interview that we're going to look back on this fondly. You're never going to look back on a fondly. You're never going to wear your pennant ring. No one wears a second place ring. It just That's like wearing a JV ring. You don't do it. That's like when you go to college and then you wear your varsity high school ring. You're not wearing your pennant ring. It's He's going to keep it locked up. So at the end of every season, I want to think about getting ready for the next year. And why does that excite me? And why do I do what I did last night and I do it every time a baseball season ends? I watch a movie, and you're going to love this, right? It's called Shawshank Redemption. If you're listening to this pod and you haven't seen Shawshank Redemption or you're watching this show and you haven't seen it, shut me off. Unsubscribe me. Come back and resubscribe after. But unsubscribe right now and watch this movie. And I don't say this every day to you. I give you suggestions on movies or TV shows to watch. Shawshank Redemption is one of the greatest movies ever made. Ever. But why is it that I'm telling you to watch it in this case? And what does it relate to? Because the main quote that I think about is the following. And it's stated by Tim Robbins to Morgan Freeman. And it's all about hope. Hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. Hope is a good thing. And that's what happens after the baseball season is I have hope again. I have hope that my team will compete next year. I have hope that I won't finish in last place or fourth place or third place. I have hope that I'll be the last team standing. And I know that I am now back in first place with a record of zero and zero. And for all of the fans around the country, your team, you're back in the race. As of right now, you are in the 2020 Major League Baseball race, and you've got hope. And if you want to feel as good as I feel talking to you about this, watch the Shawshank Redemption. You will not be sorry. So that's what I did, and it it, uh, it kept me up pretty late, and uh, sort of a long movie, actually, but I'm okay with it being long, and... Uh, because I can't turn it off. It's one of those movies where you can start anytime. I don't like watching it with commercials. You will find it that it's on a lot of channels with commercials. Try to watch it straight through without commercials. You won't be sorry. But it gives me an opportunity also to look through other things that happened yesterday. And um, something happened that is of note that is disappointing. And it's, uh, you know, we talk about a lot of serious things on this show. And this is probably the most serious one we've talked about. And that is a former uh, star in Major League Baseball was arrested and uh, he was charged with a felony for child endangerment. And I'm talking about Josh Hamilton. For those of you who don't know, Josh Hamilton was the number one pick of the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. He was called the Devil Rays back then. And uh, Josh Beckett of the Marlins was drafted second that year. So the interesting thing is back then, if you speak to people who worked for the Tampa Bay Rays, and I was able to work with some of them during my time in baseball, they were deciding between Josh Hamilton, Josh Beckett, Hamilton Beckett, Hamilton Beckett, do you go pitching, do you go hitting? And the thought was that you're going to get a middle-of-the-order hitter, a number, a cleanup hitter, a 3-4 hitter, a plus defender. He was plus everything, which means in, in English, he could do everything on a baseball field better than anybody else. What they didn't know and what they couldn't know is what would come later, which was addiction, and addiction to drugs, addiction to alcohol. And it basically caused his career um, to his complete career trajectory to change. He did have great moments on the field. You may, may remember from the home run derby when he was a superstar. 
And if and if Andrew Bomber were amazing, he'd be saying in my ear right now, that was the 2008 home run derby or the 2012 home run derby. I can't remember any years. It's not because I'm old, because all the years sort of blend together. But Josh Hamilton, it was 2008. Thanks, Bomber. I had some crazy recollection. He was unbelievable in that home run derby. Just he'll forever go down in history as as being a great participant and winner of that derby. But he had demons that he had to deal with. And he had people throughout the years when he was on a team taking care of him. I'd like to tell you it was for all good reasons, out of love for him. It was also to protect their asset. He was signed to long-term contracts. He was signed to a long-term contract. He played in Texas. He played in Los Angeles. The Angels, this is long before Joe Madden became the manager this offseason. This is years ago when he was supposed to be part of a winning team in Los Angeles, the Angels of Anaheim. And he had people with him to help him. I don't know what happened when his baseball career ended. I don't know if he kept people with him. I have no information that he is suffering from a relapse of any kind. I don't know anything about it. The only thing I do know is what's public, and that's what we're talking about now. So we're not spreading rumors. We are merely reporting what happened and giving you a perspective on it that you may not hear, which is what team is, what's the responsibility of baseball to a player who needs help after they're no longer on the team? What Josh Hamilton did to his daughter is inexcusable, inexplainable, unacceptable. There are not enough words or adjectives I can tell you to say that I disapprove. It is an outrage and he deserved to be punished to the fullest extent of the law. But what responsibility do his former teams have? Are they in touch with him? Do they care enough to be in touch? Well, we had a player, and I must admit, we had a player, a first-round pick named Jeff Allison. Drafted him out of Massachusetts. Grew up in a tough part of Massachusetts. Picture like the movie The Town with Ben Affleck and uh, Jeremy Renner, Rebecca Hall. It was that kind of part of Massachusetts. Not very good neighborhood. Jeff Allison was going to be a star pitcher. We drafted him out of high school. And his career never got off the ground because he was a drug addict. And uh, we did our best to try to get him clean. But we took advantage of the situation. We didn't pay him his bonus because he didn't perform for us. We tried to get money back because we were so upset and angry. We had a team psychologist at the time named Jeffrey Fishbein, who now works for the White Sox, who tried to help out, who continues to stay in touch with him. The question is, as a team, did we feel more responsibility? And I think about that now. And I think about that I probably did it wrong. I probably should have been a bigger part of Jeff Allison's life and a bigger part of making sure that he would continue to be healthy and get and stay clean and sober. And he's turned his life around and he's giving speeches about his life and his story. And he's actually made it through the darkness. <clears throat> and I can't take one ounce of credit for it. I tried to be helpful when he, when we, when I thought he could be a good pitcher. But the minute I realized he couldn't be a good pitcher, I sort of turned my back. I'm sorry, Jeff. I really am. And I thought about this last night when I was reading about Josh Hamilton and thinking about it's not just that we're the president of our 25-man roster one year. We run an organization. We run a community asset. And these are players. And I'm pretty hard on players. And I'm hard when you don't do your job on the field, when you don't do your job off the field. And I'm hard on decisions that you make that are wrong. And I'm very pro-management and anti-union. But I come up with reasons and logic. But there are times when you have to actually think about non-financial, sometimes financial, but non-financial ways that you can make sure 
that you show not just players, but your employees, your friends, that you actually will continue to care and not just turn your back the minute you can no longer be of assistance. It's sort of like when you have work friends and then you no longer at that place of work and then they're not your friends anymore. Maybe they weren't your friends to begin with. So to Jeff Allison, I again reiterate, I should have done better by you and I'm proud of you. And to Josh Hamilton, I'm not taking responsibility. I don't believe the Rays, the Angels, or the Texas Rangers will either. But having said all of that, we should have been there more for you, Josh. That does not excuse what you did to your daughter ever at all. And you will be punished if you are convicted and found guilty to have put a minor child, a minor child in the way of your violence. Well, somebody's poorer today after that uh, World Series win. Or is he? Yeah, I'm going to say he is. Let's talk about Mattress Mac. What a story. Does everyone follow Mattress Mac? This is a guy in Houston. He's this sort of old curmudgeonly guy who runs a mattress store. So you buy box springs from him and you buy bedding and furniture and whatnot. And he sort of has made his thing that he does promotions. And what he does is he ties events that he doesn't control to giving refunds to his customers. So as an example, many years ago, he said, hey, if you pick the right political party, the proper political party, not right or left, if you choose who's going to win correctly, I'll give you a rebate. Uh, when the Houston Astros in 2017 won the World Series, hey, if the Astros win the World Series, I will give you your money back if you spend $2,000 on a mattress or a box spring or whatever, whatever, whatever. So now he stepped up his game. And in the 2019 World Series, Mattress Mac promised people that he would give them back $3,000 for the money they've spent on mattresses, box springs, etc. if the Astros win the World Series. Except what he realized is his business has gotten bigger. And oh no, it's a liability of $20 million. If the Astros win the World Series, I'm going to actually have to refund $20 million worth of mattresses. That must be a big store, right? When you go to like 1-800-MATTRESS, I don't really know how you get to $20 million in mattresses. Maybe they're stuffed with cash. I guess that could be one way they're more expensive. But either way, he had a $20 million liability. So what does he do? He hedges it. He ends up betting on the Astros, significant dollars. He bet $13 million, and it became a thing. He was flying on his private jet to different casinos, and he was getting attention on Twitter, and he was dropping all this money. In the beginning, he had a lay two to one. Then when the Astros lost the first two at home, he was getting two to one. Then the Astros win on the road, and uh, he then has to, has to give two to one because they're never going to lose the last two at home, game six and seven. So they show him at the game. He's like this celebrity. He's signing autographs. He's looking at things, doing pictures, everything else he's doing. And wouldn't you know it, because Garrett Cole wouldn't pitch and because <laughs> because Hinch went to the bullpen and didn't leave Granky in the game, Mattress Mac lost it all. He lost $13 million. But you're going to tell me, don't worry, David. He doesn't have to give $20 million back in mattresses. Well, here's the problem. Are you all aware of what the biggest source of income is for some of your favorite stores like Apple or Nike or TGI Fridays or Starbucks or The Gap? I'll go on and on. I got all day. Until you press stop and turn me off, I got all day. Big source of revenue, 
gift cards that are never redeemed. People who get cards, it's 10 bucks, 15 bucks, they lose them. Movie cards. Who hasn't gotten a movie card and you put it in a drawer and then every time you go to the movies, you say to yourself, damn it, I didn't bring the card. We've all done it, right? Well, think about it. That theater got the money for the card. The person who bought it for you had to give them cash, but then they never have to give away the ticket. How many people are going to redeem their mattresses? Some of the people maybe bought them and moved away. Some people bought them and have moved on. Some people bought them as gifts. Who knows what the story is? But now, instead of the possibility of $20 million in redemptions, and I'm sure you had to fill out paperwork, I'm sure it's quite a big pain in the neck, although for three grand, I'd probably jump through hoops to get it. But suffice it to say, there'd be some breakage is the word that it's called, some sort of amount of money that he would not have had to have paid back. But when you lose $13 million when you bet on a game, you pay it in advance before the series even starts or before the game even starts. So listen, M squared, that's Mattress Mac, um, you're down 13 big ones. So you're going to have to come back next year and you're going to have to hope the Astros do something great or you're going to have to think of another promotion that they take action on because that's a lot of mattresses that they blew for you because Grenke was pulled out of the game after 80 or so pitches. So that went on. Yeah, I, there's never an end. I um, I had a, I had a bit of an argument with my uh, producers here because the next thing I want to talk about is something that matters a lot to me and... It's sort of maybe a hands-off topic. Not to me it's not because I'm nothing personal. Nothing is hands-off. If you've been reading about Deadspin, Deadspin employees, Deadspin, you know that absolute website that back in the day was sort of like the National Enquirer of websites. They were trying to break stories and they would and they would try to bring people down and they tried but wouldn't succeed very often. They were very much like TMZ, like the National Enquirer um, of, of websites. Many of their employees have quit, resigned, because Deadspin was bought by a venture capital firm, and the venture capital firm, as the owner, decided they wanted to change how Deadspin was going to release its articles. They wanted everything to be about sports or have some connection to sports. Well, naturally, the editor of the Deadspin site and many of the writers, I think seven out of ten of them, have cried foul. How could you do this? How could you change what we do? We will not accept this. We quit. I, and people are supporting this. They're supporting the right of the deadspin employees to quit because the rules were changed above their head. Let me give you an example. Let's pretend that you have a boss. I bet everyone listening to this has a boss. And your boss tells you that you used to have a territory in sales where you were selling just in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And then your boss tells you one day, hey, we've made a change. You're now selling in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Vermont. And you say to your boss, no, no, thank you. I'm not doing that. What about when a player would say to his boss or his coach, you want me to run the triangle offense? And the Knicks say to Phil Jackson, I don't want to run the triangle offense. Or in baseball, if we tell a player to hit and run, which no one does anymore, and they say, ah, I want a home run. I'm not going to hit and run. I'm not running. My hamstrings hurt today. The Deadspin employees say, I'm not writing. I'm not doing my job. You want me to write about sports? I want to write about whatever I want. 
truth, justice. No, that's not your right. You're an employee. We have the right to tell you exactly what we want you to do. And if you don't do it, bye-bye. No severance, no nothing. Termination for cause, we call it. You didn't do the job that you were hired to do. Now, people are going to cry foul, and that's why people got nervous here with the with the pod and my, my guys. They got a little nervous because talking about this, is this okay? Is this a political issue? Is this a right versus left issue? Is this a third rail Trump issue? Is it a Democrat, Republican? No, it's none of that. It's employees trying to say that they have the right to decide when they want to listen to their bosses and when they don't. I'm around it every day at CBS Sports HQ, and I love it here. I love it when bosses come and say, hey, we need to do more of X and not Y. What am I going to say, no? If you're building graphics for a show and you're told, hey, put a graphic up showing the top four pitching contracts in history, are you going to say no? I'd rather do the top four hitting contracts. It's not your job. I'm not allowed to say that. You can give an opinion, but at the end of the day, you have to do what you're told. And all this attention that they're getting on Twitter, these Deadspin employees, all of the love they're getting because they're standing strong. They're standing against the man. Taking on the man. Come on, man. That's my reaction to that. Don't tell me you're taking on the man that all of a sudden you're going to resign, not be able to pay your bills because you're standing on principle. Why don't you write the best article on sports and find an angle and show your venture capital boss that you can move the revenue needle, that you can actually make the money that you are earning and more for your boss instead of complaining that they're making you do something else. They had every opportunity and they chose not to do it. Eh, not my problem. Well, I give you a, uh, I give you a pick every day and I got a, I got a call from someone who's going to Disney World for free because they've gone against every pick of mine. Yes, I told you to take the Astros. I can't believe it. But I said, I'm sorry to Houston fans, as you recall. So hopefully you all took the Nats and then you're happy. Tonight's pick is more interesting. I'm looking at the Thursday night game. It's 49ers at Cardinals. Who listening or watching right now knows why I'm taking San Francisco minus two and a half in the first quarter? Anyone? Ruben? 49ers, two and a half in the first quarter. What's the reason? He doesn't know. I'm tired. I want to go to bed. I've been staying up watching games until 12, 1 a.m., I want my bet to win or lose by the end of the first quarter. If I had a prop bet on the coin toss, that would have been my pick of the day. Or if it, a pass or a run on the first play, that would have been my pick of the day. But I do believe that San Francisco at two and a half is a mortal lock. So go for it if you want. Or take the Cardinals plus two and a half. I also do a wait to see moment here on Nothing Personal. And we keep track. I told you I would do a wait to see that Garrett Cole would take the mound, uh, but he didn't. And so when Garrett Cole doesn't take the mound, that means we lose. Well, I've got another wait to see for you tonight. Kawhi Leonard last night. Did anyone watch that game? A lot went on in the NBA last night. The 159-158 rocket score was exciting. A lot of defense in that game. Kawhi Leonard chose not to play. They called it load management. Well, I think that's a bunch of load. Five games into the season? Because he's playing San Antonio back-to-back -back nights so he doesn't play on a nationally televised game, that's load management? What about the people who want to watch Kawhi play? What about the people who buy tickets to watch Kawhi play? My wait to see today 
is that this issue is going to have to be resolved with the union. And NBA is going to have to deal with back-to-back games because players don't want to play back-to-back anymore. I've never heard of such a thing. Nobody plays 82 games anymore. What happened to people? What happened to players? But when TV gets involved, that means money gets involved. So ESPN is calling at the NBA, and they're saying, listen, we pay you a lot of money. We want Kawhi Leonard when we choose the Jazz game and the Clippers game. I don't want to hear LM. I want to hear IP. I'm playing. So this is going to become a union issue because the players don't want to play back-to-back. And you're going to see in the new collective bargaining agreement, you are definitely going to see fewer back-to-backs, if not the total elimination of back-to-backs. And that's my way to see for the day. I appreciate everyone taking the time. And when you listen to this, you should always know it's just business. It's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.